0: Welcome into another edition of SEC football and beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is Tuesday, January the 12th. Hope you had a uh, great weekend. The college football season is now officially over. Alabama is your national champion 52 to 24 a uh, winner last night in Miami Gardens, Florida against Ohio State. Alabama finishes the season 13 and zero. It is Nick Saban's um sixth, is that right? Sixth national
1: championship at at Alabama. At Alabama, seventh overall.
0: Seventh overall. Of course, he won one at LSU before he, he went to the NFL and the Miami Dolphins. And then he has been at Alabama since the two thousand and uh I guess seven season and his run of domination, something we're gonna talk about here in a minute is uh, absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing what he's done at Alabama, the way he's impacted the sport, the league, uh, everything. Uh, Chris, I'll start here. I have a, I do a mailbag every Wednesday at rebelgrove.com, and one of my mailbag questions was basically put in perspective what Nick Saban has done at, at Alabama and – Do you think anyone can ever repeat this? And and I I can tell you that my initial answer that I kind of thought of in my mind is: I'm one of these people. I try not to use words like ever, never, always. I find those to be really big words. Always is a really big word. I will never is a really big word. Never is a big word. But it is difficult for me to foresee, foresee. in today's era of parody and, and all of that, it is difficult for me to foresee anyone ever doing at another school what Nick Saban has, has done at Alabama. Just it's and, and I don't think Saban's done. He turned 70 on Halloween. There's no sign that he's walking away. There's, there's no hint that he's about to retire. Um, he's got an absolute power. He just landed the number one recruiting class in the country. They put multiple people in the NFL every year, and they just reload. So I'll, I'll I'll toss it to you with with starting there. Is how do you put what Nick Saban has done into some degree of perspective?
1: Well, um, it's tough. Let's look at some numbers, some facts. Of he's been a head coach for sixteen years in college football. He's won seven national titles. <laughs> sixteen years. It's done. He won the title. You know, it's so difficult when you win a title that is really something. When you win a second one, you kind of go into a different level. Okay. Because you've done it twice. It's it's not a one-off. You've done it again. Okay. Um, you do it three times. You've done something that, oh, this is, are you kidding me? Um, You, you get to where you've done it six times. Well, that's what Bear Bryant did. Um, and, you know, Bear Bryant was legendary in a sense in a different era. He was kind of the John Wayne of, you know, kind of just the iconic figure in a time where society was different. Certainly was not the information age. No one ever. Wow. Well, really criticized him in the way that they crit- critique people today. You did it. He did it in an era where he didn't have modern technology. But you also didn't have scholarship limits. You didn't have limits on practice time. You know, that was the old thing of they'd recruit 25 running backs in a year and figure out who can play later. And they would, you know, if they find out that Auburn or Mississippi State was recruiting somebody that they didn't know about, they went out and recruited him just in case he could play. And, but the one thing that's similar is that he built something there in his era that was unique. That you had to go there. If you got an offer from Alabama, regardless where you were, you had to, wow, you had to look at it. And you had to, you, you had to think hard before <clears throat> not accepting. It. Well, in the modern era, you can make the case it's a lot more difficult, certainly a lot more scrutiny. Um, but you just get the feeling the great ones find a way to do it and do it better than anyone else. Um you've got a program that certainly they have history at Alabama, but again, you take away, I know you can't, but you take away bear Bryant, Nick Saban. They've they've looked like any other good program. Yeah. It just, but you can't do that because you had a long stretch, you know, with bear Bryant. And you've now having a long stretch as to whether somebody's going to do it in the future. Really tough. Bear Bryant coaching an era where coaches coached. I mean, if you didn't coach for 10 years, something was wrong. Because you got five years and maybe a six or a seventh back in those days. Because they didn't fire coaches. They just, you know, you you did, you you're really patient, and it's what you did. You're on a contracts. The money wasn't the same either. Now the money's greater. And you get two years, and if you got something going on, boom. I mean, they, they find out something, they create something, boom, you're gone. To be able to have somebody down the road that makes the type of money that these guys make, <clears throat> you're going to have a hard time having people stay for 15 years at a place to accomplish some of these things because they're going to make so much money, and you're going to say, the heck with that. Saban's made enough money at 69 at 65 he doesn't need to do this he loves it this is what he believes this what he just it's what he lives for so the combination of finding somebody that can do it do it as well it's going to be hard people ask me what did they do how do they do it you know i get this a lot i get this a lot and i i, I i'm i'm it's comical they'll say things like um you know, people on the staff, well, like Sarkinup. Well, anybody can do that with the players they have. Uh, no, they can't. Nobody's done it. Only Bear Bryant's done it similar. Pete Carroll had a unbelievable thing going at USC. He didn't win six titles, seven titles. You know, Miami's had good, co- Had you know, a lot of success and different guys. Uh, you can go down the line of great coaches. No one has done it as often and as much and as consistently as he's done it. And it's it's not because it's the system. It's the fact that he's constantly willing to adjust. So people will say things like, well, you got great talent like Devontae Smith and what a phenomenal year he's had. Um, Devontae Smith, I'm looking at it. Year one, early in his career, he catches that touchdown pass. He was a young pup that couldn't run two routes successfully. He could run the go route and everything else. So when people say, oh, it's anybody can. No, nobody can do it like they do it. They identify the best talent. They can find a Christian Barmore who had one offer. Well, he plenty offers after Alabama offered it, but he was committed to Temple in Philadelphia, you know, Find a guy like that, yet they get a lot of five-stars, too. They identify the right guys. They have a great staff to do it, but they are also the best at developing. So good luck trying to beat that because you've got people that can develop well. you got people that re- can recruit well, but no one has done both as well as he has with the possible exception of Bear Bryant, and it's really difficult to look at different areas and compare, I know. You
0: got to put Saban number one all time now, yes. right?
1: over over. I think so because I think it's tougher to do it now. Personally, I do
0: too. The Bryant,
1: scrutiny's tougher.
0: Yeah, and Bryant was in a different era when you could you could literally stack a roster, <clears throat> kind of unlimited. Yes, you could. You know, and
1: even- and you didn't have kids going out early, and you know, you said Neil, um, you know, go run through a brick wall. Neil ran through a brick wall. Now you got to get guys to buy in. And we'll get into that with guys, you know, like Jalen Waddle and Landon Dickerson that are, they they are insulted if you don't allow them to play. In an era where everybody's backing out. Now, it's a chicken-egg thing, right? You know, you got players that if they're not playing for the title, then it doesn't mean enough. I want to go get prepared for my pro pro future. Did it look like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or Landon Dickerson or Najee Harris or any of those guys at any point this year, did it look like they were worried about their pro future?
0: No. I mean, I I thought it was fascinating last night, right, to watch Jalen Waddle, who I looked at a CBS mock draft this morning. It's just a reference. I would trust your mock draft when you get it done more than theirs, but we'll use it as a reference if that's okay. They had Jalen Waddle as the ninth pick in the twenty twenty one NFL draft. So let's just say that they're within the realm of of accuracy. Okay. That he's going somewhere between eighth and I don't know, twelfth. Okay. Jalen Waddle's out there with a noticeable limp wanting to play. And there's a lot of people out there, including NFL guys, going, hey, man, you got to get off the field. And I understand where they're coming from. I'm not criticizing them. And there are people out there saying, hey, if you're the Alabama coaching staff, you've got to get that kid off the field. And I understand where they're coming from. To my knowledge, nobody put a gun to Jalen Waddle's head and said, you got to play.
1: No, in fact. Um, he wanted to play. Yes. In fact, we had a question. Chad on Twitter said, you know, address this about. Jalen Waddle playing and limping off the field. Look, um, it's, it's not as the, 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 the common theme. And and look, I get it. And I understand why is he playing? Why is he out there? And what is he, um, why is Jalen Waddle returning kicks against Tennessee? Well, because that's what they do. It is, it's important. It's all important. And again, what he teaches. And again, it it is about chicken egg thing because that's why they do it. Because if you go there, you're going to win titles. And oh, by the way, on the back end, you're going to have the best development for the NFL possible. I can speak as a scout of 30 plus years that I love what I saw out of Jalen Waddle. That tells me Everybody said, Oh, you can't get into somebody's mind or that head. Oh, yeah, like hell, you can't. I can see heart indicators. I I, give me a Jalen Waddle because that tells me about his toughness. Give me a Devontae Smith about their toughness. Landon Dickerson is not the most talented guy, he's got a spot on my team. That matters. And when we're trying, and so that my point is. It is not that I am holding against the guys that opt out early or, as I call it, quit. They're protecting their future, and they become really successful. But I got to tell you, there is something that tells me about, okay, there is something in my mind that says, is this the guy that's going to lay it on the line? Oh, he's in the NFL now. I just paid him a lot of money. If he's in a contract year, Am I going to get the best out of him just this year? Or, you know, once he gets his new contract, is he going to protect himself the year before his contract year? You follow me? And so my point is, I ain't got that concerned about Jalen Waddle. Because I I think a lot of it is, I'm not concerned about that with Devontae Smith and a lot of other guys, Najee Harris. My point is, is a lot of that is nurtured through Bama, but a lot of that is identified in the recruiting process by High football competitive character. And there's something to be said about I recruit O'Neil and say, Neil, you're the greatest receiver I've ever. You're the best receiver in the country. I love you. I love, Neil comes in, he's got such a big head. I can't, you know. I mean, well, all Neil knows is I'm great. I'm great. That it is not easy to coach great players. You know why? it's great to coach their physical skills. But when you get the best players, good luck trying to get the best players to suppress their own individuality when they're the best player where they come from and say, for the better of the team, I want to do that. Good luck getting a Devontae Smith that loves to block as much as he loves to catch touchdown passes. That's an art. That's a unique quality, and they buy in. And that's why when people say, go hire a Sabin guy, go hire a Belichick guy, go do this. It is not the plan. It's not the process that you can take and bring over and plug in like an electronic piece of electronic equipment. You've got to build that culture to where pe- the players buy into that. And some of it is, well, you got to win for that to happen. Yeah, you got to win for that to happen, but it's kind of a chicken egg thing. Again, winning to, you know, so there's no question that, and in terms of why don't, this is what they the medical people said he can't injure it anymore by playing well of course when you play you can get injured you could re-injure that or you can injure something else anytime you play but a, the point is is they didn't force him he wanted to play and and if 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 you're a coach like that and you preaches that and they really want to play and they really want to do it. Do you? I, I I don't think he feels comfortable denying him that. That that's something that you've got to. It, it's, the criticism warranted, but you know.
0: And they finally took him off the field. They they, they did. They did
1: when they did. it said, "Hey, look, all right, I get it. You had it. You're done." It's it's not like you know. I'm sure Landon Dickerson said, "Look, let, let me start. I, I can get in there and give you a quarter." No, no, no. You know they got him the two snaps. He just had surgery. Son of a gun wanted to get full dressed out. What do you do? Dress out. You know what I mean? So that means a lot. And it says a lot. So my point is, is that okay, did it really damage Waddle's future? No, but look what that does for next year's team, which by the way, Nick is already thinking about, you know. Next year's team hasn't won anything yet. You know, he's starting over. That's what motivates him. So that's the whole point that people don't get. But we live in a Twitter world where get him off the field. It, it, it doesn't matter. He's hurting. That's the problem that we have now. There's always injuries, and quite frankly, there is <clears throat> Nick understands how to help kids protect their future. There are things you can do, but the bottom line: if you're a football player, play football. I want to see as a scout not just your talent, but your heart and their heart indicators, and, and I can see that a little bit. So, I, look, I I think that I got not only not any problem, but that society we live in, Neil. Oh, don't play in it. Don't. You know, again, you know, set out, do that. That's why you have – and then the same people ask the same question. Well, why can't fill in the blank be like Alabama? Be it, Well, because they don't play with the same type of inbuilt culture of – the key word. Keepers. That's <clears> the <throat>
0: key word. The key word is culture. When you watch them play and you watch a night like last night where uh, Devontae Smith, who, by the way, in the same mock draft is slated to go fifth or sixth, I can't remember where, Going to make millions. He's won the Heisman. He's won the every award. He, the Balitnikoff. He's won every award that that he could win. And he's out there with a broken or dislocated finger, wanting to go back into the game. Now, to Alabama's credit, they're like, "No, no, no. You, we, no, you've done enough. We're we're going to play some of these other guys. You go go over there and 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 start uh, basking in your accolades for a minute." But it does tell you a lot about their culture, and it it always makes me wonder what must their practices be like on a day in day out basis? When you have that many people who are that competitive, that team oriented, that process oriented, the part of the Saban mantra that I think the kids buy into, which is process, process, process. I think they buy into it, it. It makes me wonder if in in reality, they win their games in the offseason. They win their games during the week. They win their games with guys that like to practice, that like to be perfect, that like to dominate. And then they win with guys who are patient. I mean, you know, it gets overshadowed because his wide receiver won all the awards. But Mac Jones at a lot of places would have left and gone elsewhere. At Alabama, he stayed. He waited his turn behind Jalen Hurts. Then he waited his turn behind Tua Tungavaloa, not knowing when that turn would come. And then they bring in uh, the young kid who's going to be the starter next year. And a lot of people spent the offseason going, that has to be the guy. That has to be the guy. And Mac Jones leads Alabama to a, a 13-0 and um, season, a national championship. And he's probably going to go somewhere around the middle of the first round. And he made himself a bunch of money in the process, too. It. it there's just a lot of storylines with this program that uh, it, it's – it's almost hard to pick what's how you prioritize the the stories as it pertains to Alabama they're they're the dominant program the dominant coach and then they have all these dominant players that come in and do it in the same way over and over and over and they just
1: reload and and let me let me tell you it starts with how they recruit and what they tell them in recruiting so like a mac jones see uh, again a lot of people i talk with a lot of coaches about this they they're into the cell You come here. You're going to, well, you, if you sell them all that, that you're going to be all that. And the kid goes there and he doesn't win the starting job. He feels like he's been lied to. Well, he's not being lied to, but he's been sold that you come in. Well, he, if they're telling you that son, they're telling other kids that too, you got to go earn it at Alabama. The way he does it, he tells them "Mac Jones, look, this is what I got, but, but he, he, He told him, look, you've got a chance to develop, but it may take you time. Well, Mac Jones was comfortable doing that. So through the evaluation process, if he sensed that Mac Jones was, no, I want to go where I can play, he would have pulled that offer or wouldn't have made an offer. But the fact that he knew he he needed to have a guy like that. Nick did not know Mac would be this good this year. He knew that he had a chance to be pretty good. But he also knew he needed to be developed. And for people who don't know, he was going to go to Kentucky. And he would have had a chance to play early. But in the evaluation process, he knew that kid was, hey, look, I want to go to Alabama and learn from the best. This is what I want to do. And I am I understand that they may in that play. And there was no guarantee last year at this time that he was going to be the starter over a hotshot freshman. But he earned it. He was given the chance. So when you do it that way, kids organically get better, improve, earn their spot. Young guys can come in and start right away if they earn it. Very rarely do they need it. But if they earn it, they can do it. They have a role. And I mention again, people will throw out, and this is true, you've got guys, you know, like you know, Ruggs and Waddle and Judy and Smith, all on that team. But they weren't all the guy. They all had to wait their turn. They all had to play their role, and they all bought into it. You think in other places, any equivalence of those four guys, any chance of those four guys, and I realized that they were all on the team last year. They all weren't this year. But the point is, is most, most places, most of those guys leave, you know, um, uh, Wendell Robinson's leaving Nebraska, you know, because he's not, he's a leading pass receiver at Nebraska. He's leaving things, are not good Culture's not whatever. The point is, is when you build the culture, you build the foundation, you create competitive nature then all of a sudden everyone understands that if i do that and here's the thing is in the nfl there's the highest respect for saban and so kids know that and he can go in among everything else and say to a young man in recruiting you come here over the past 12 years over the past 12 years everybody that's come in as a recruit and stayed four years. Every single one of them has won two national titles. You come here and do what you're told. It's
0: like you're skiing, man. I mean, you know, you go to ULM for
1: water skiing, you're going to win championship. <laughs> you go there. You're, you're virtually in a world of no guarantees, death taxes. You know, you're probably got two coming. I mean, that's. That's a sell point now, but you got to get the program to that point. So people who will say, oh, we'll see how good Sark does calling up plays at Texas. No, no, no. What's going to be the key for Sark is how well can he build a culture there that can do all those things? Play calling's never been an issue for him, but play calling in and of itself is not enough. That's his role there now. And boy, what a great job he did dialing up plays.
0: Yeah. He's a hell of a play caller.
1: You know, but you know, calling plays is not enough. You got to do more and it does matter that you have talent, but you know what? I've seen a lot of guys with a lot of talent that don't win it all. And they certainly don't win seven national titles.
0: All right. We've had two people ask this question, so we'll put it up here from uh, Brett. This year's Alabama versus last year's LSU. If they both played, who wins?
1: This year's Alabama team is better. I mean, you never know who would win, you know, be close. This year's Alabama's team played on all SEC schedule. And people will look at stacks and they'll look at, well, I, there was point, you know, seven more. LSU had to play the tough schedule, but they, against an SEC schedule, this Alabama team actually scored more points per game. Here's the difference. Alabama's offensive line is better than LSU's offensive line Alabama could put a game away this year's team could put a game away with their run game so everyone says they they, they use the terms that take the foot off the gas against Notre Dame and Ohio State no 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 with that by design they believe that you get points out of the passing game and you win the game by running it, LSU could run it with Clyde Edwards, helaire but they ran it against six man boxes and they ran out of spread. So it was, it was good. It was great. But I think that this year's Alabama team would have beaten, uh, LSU. First of all, Al- let's remind folks that last year's Alabama team with their injuries, injured quarterback and everything, was five points difference. I mean, you know, it was just, I mean, now I thought LSU, the game was a little bit more felt more than a five point game, but that, that neither one could stop the other. Now I think this team is better because you've got superior coaching and you've got superior line play. And I think Alabama would have come up with a few more stops, but it would have been a more competitive game. That would, that's the national championship game we would all like to have, but I, I think this team is even better. So As great as LSU's was, and it was great, the best team of all time or the best offense of all time lasted one year, in my opinion. But I I think that that does not take anything away. That LSU team was beyond great last year. It was phenomenal. Had a lot of it. But this Alabama team's better for one reason. They could do all the things that that LSU team could do. But this offensive line was mammothly good. Even without Landon Dickerson down the stretch, they could do things. That LSU's offensive line was effective in pass protection. They didn't run, block, and blow people off the ball like this Alabama offensive line does.
0: Last off, 11 of the last 15 from our friend Woodshed King. 11 of the last 15 national champions are SEC. Alabama was six. LSU with two, Florida with two, Auburn with one. As he says, that's incredible. I do think it's fitting, as to this on my show, the Oxford Exxon podcast yesterday, I do think it's very fitting that in this in this season, when it all ended last night, that it was an SEC team that took the trophy. I thought it was appropriate. I would. Um, there was a, an article that was written about uh, Greg Sankey yesterday Greg Sankey referred to feeling this, summer, this past summer as if he were on an island sometimes. I um, won't spend the time getting political here at all, but I do want to say for the people who sometimes are critical of the SEC and I am sometimes critical of the SECs. for the people who are sometimes critical of Greg Sankey and I am sometimes critical of Greg Sankey, Greg Sankey and the SEC office deserve a tremendous amount of credit for this season happening and for this season getting to the starting line and then last night getting to the finish line. Last night was a victory for Alabama. It was a victory for Nick Saban. It was a victory for Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Brandon Dickerson, everybody on that roster. It was also a big victory for Greg Sankey in the SEC
1: office. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, They handled their business. I am thrilled that we got this season in. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, it's also fitting on top of what you said, because I thought the SEC handled it best, is who would you expect in all of college football to handle the distractions of this season better than Alabama and Saban? I mean, who's better at just, just you know, nobody. the world is falling ar- around you focus driven. You know, it's like I was on a, on a um, and I, I, no disrespect. I mean, you know, he's great, but I was on a show yesterday with Lou Holtz and and God bless him. You know, he was talking about oh, but you, 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 yeah, <laughs> talking about the Heisman Trophy winner never plays one in the championship game and, you know, talking about all the distractions and Sark and I'm like, gosh, you know, coach, you you know, I don't know how how close you're following this. They handle this better. You're correct. Heisman, historically, Heisman Trophy winners don't play well. That's you know, it almost it you almost felt like you had to you know cajole Devontae Smith to put on a suit and pick up the Heisman because he was he would seem like he would rather be getting ready for the game. I mean, you know the the, the point is is a, a lot of the things that are commonplace are not the commonplace for Bama. They've built something that is this is the 12th time they've had the sixth time in a national championship game, Neil, that a, an assistant coach has taken another job. And so all that, yeah, yeah. And there's no question that, that, that Sark had dual duties. Didn't seem like it, it had a negative effect of, they understand how to deal with that better injuries. Well, I mean, it just, they get it pandemic. We're going to handle that better. I think that's why this is probably Nick's favorite team they did something that no one else could ever do because who else could go through a pandemic this is a hopefully god help us a one-year situation for everybody
0: this podcast is brought to you by our friends at blue sky blue sky believes in being fast fresh and friendly through the thoughtful layout and the cleanliness of their stores blue sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products blue sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all. And blue sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out blue sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we'd like to welcome a new advertiser to the show. New sponsor to our show, our friends at Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi, right there in the Jackson area. It's your trailer-specific professionals. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated. Load trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark cargo trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to beer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have uh, game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. For podcast listeners, Alpha has uh, spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. They have a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Uh, Listeners can also get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They also can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give them a call at 601- 932-9738 or check them out at alpha of ms.com that's a l p h a of ms.com and make sure you tell them you heard about alpha on the mpw digital network of podcasts which includes this one scc football and beyond all right chris we're going to get into some uh coaching news but before we do that it's never too early and everyone does it they do it right away with the immediate early top 25 for uh 2021 i've got espn's up right here just as a point of reference. Top 10 is Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State at five, Texas A&M at six, North Carolina, Iowa State, USC, that Southern Cal, in case anybody's wondering, and Indiana at 10. The uh, rest of the top 25 is Cincinnati, Iowa, Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame's 15, Florida, 16, Wisconsin, 17, Ole Miss, 18, ULL 19, LSU 20, then Texas, Penn State, Coastal Carolina, Liberty, and Miami. Anything stick out to you there?
1: Well, uh, <clears throat> I was just trying to make a, a note here of, of um, I was listening to you, but, but more trying to figure out kind of what I would do and do it by conference. Um, I yeah. would throw in terms of the top tier, certainly Alabama. Georgia and A and in the SEC, Clemson in the ACC. I think North Carolina's good. I don't. I don't know that I put them in that elite group yet. Oklahoma. I think with Woods coming back, Iowa State's going to be really good again. Um. Look, I mean, I think USC's good. I'm, I just don't trust them enough. But that's uh, and then and I think certainly Ohio State, uh, yeah, they will reload. Th- those are your teams. I mean, it's not going to be we can we can pick the Final Four <laughs> next year. Right now, if you like to, and we we've just mentioned the teams. You don't need to go any further than that. It's going to be out of the four. It's going to be one of those four. I mean, it's it's going to be within that group. <laughs> and, and that and I gave too many teams that that really won't want to have much of a chance no i i don't see anything that would jump out at me that would say would be really really off i mean indiana will be good cincinnati will be good again uh yeah no i think there'll be some some good teams and um that that we that we don't that are not in that elite tier but in terms of the upper echelon it'll be more the same
0: But we'll miss that high
1: uh where they have them?
0: 16. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Florida at 16, Ole Miss at 18, LSU at 20. You buy LSU that low, or do you buy Ole Miss that high?
1: Yeah, I think a, a lot of that is probably just the unknown about LSU. LSU's got more talent. Um, but there's there's we'll get into that, obviously. Sure. The offseason's not going all that well. I think that's a lot of respect for what Ole Miss did, including in the bowl game. Um, yeah, I, I I, would put them in that group. I mean, I I, I could see LSU fin- finishing ahead of, of Ole Miss and Florida, but I could see Florida. I think Florida is um, – I think 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I think that's all in the same group. I mean, I think you can flip flip them around and put them in a different order, but that's kind of how I see it.
0: One thing that stands out to me in there, unless I missed it,
1: no Auburn in the top 25.
0: When was the last time Auburn was in a preseason top 25? Okay,
1: yeah. um, Yeah, no, uh, a lot of changes, a lot of unknowns. Um, Now, like you said, it's, means apropos of nothing means nothing. And then we'll kind of see. And then, uh, what I'm excited about and I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this assumption until somebody tells me different that we'll get a, a spring in where everybody will somehow, some way get some work done in a spring and in by summer, when we're talking about the upcoming season, it's, you know, we're not talking about who's going to play if we're going to play, and that'll be to bed. Thank, Thank God. And then we can really talk about, you know, a lot of different, you know, players and teams, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, again, the SEC uh, is going to be real competitive again, and I think they've got the most good teams, and I think that'll be the case again next year.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I I'll tell you what, I'm not a voter. They don't trust rival sites to be voters. When I was in Mobile, I was trustworthy of an AP vote. But now that I'm now that I'm working for rivals, that's that's I, I can't I can't do something that big. But if I did, Alabama's number one on my thing until someone beats him. The end.
1: Well, the thing about it, it's you know, you can look at what's coming back. And so Ohio State's got some good quarterback. Justin's gone, Alabama. You know, um, and, and by the way, I I'm not going to get into this. I hate to even say it because people will say, "Oh, he said." You know, there is a there is justification if he wanted to from a development standpoint for Mac Jones to consider coming back. He won't, and 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 I don't think necessarily should, but. And I mentioned that because they'll be starting a young quarterback, which by the way is. Talented, but we'll see. Georgia's the team that's interesting because if they are on their way to fixing their offense, as it appeared to be in the latter part of the year, that's the team that could enter into the mix of the four. I mean, that's that's the program, and people say things like, "Well, Alabama does this. They have all these analysts. Georgia has more analysts than Alabama." Okay, so. Georgia doesn't do it as good as Saban. Nobody does it as good as Saban. But as there's, if there's one guy that replicates the Saban process and knows it better, been there the longest, and has taken it and is replicating it behind the scenes, most like Saban in Alabama H. Georgia, with the one exception that Kirby, being young, inexperienced, defensive guy as well. Maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing, maybe is starting to understand that, okay, maybe my defense won't look quite like I want it to, but I'm gonna have to do more offensively, like my mentor did, you know, Saban. That's the only thing that's kind of holding Georgia back, and we'll see if that's where that will will go. But Georgia's the one team that that looks really, really good talent-wise, and they're bringing a, an experienced quarterback back. So that's why I would throw them in the mix with the others. And then, you know, AM and m is good, but, you know, they re, they're were they replacing a quarterback who I don't think was all that great, and I think, you know, I, I think it's going to be real interesting to see what they do this year too.
0: So along those lines, I'm looking at Brett McMurphy's top 25 from Watch Stadium. I like Brett a lot. He's got Ohio State one, Alabama two, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson in the top five. Texas A&M at six, Iowa State, Texas, North Carolina, Penn State round out the top 10, Utah, Oregon, Florida at 13, Notre Dame 14, Wisconsin, Miami, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Washington, Arizona State rounding out the top 20, Virginia Tech at 21, Iowa at 22, USC at 23, Ole Miss at 24, and uh, Liberty at 25, so he doesn't have LSU in his top 25, which is interesting. And if that's the case, Chris, we'll be talking about an LSU coaching search this time next year. So I'll transition there. What's going on with the LSU coaching staff? I know that they thought they had a coach hired that ended up going to Notre Dame. What can, what can, or should we read into that?
1: Well, Marcus Freeman, um, I talked to Marcus when this whole process took, I talked to him about LSU and the situation and before it got to the point where he went on the interview. And I think when we were, on last, um, I'd mentioned that he's, he was on a recruiting trip to LSU, meaning they made him an offer and they thought they had, I, I, there's differing reports. He said, he said that he told him he was coming. Um, okay. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not, I wasn't there when they both, they were talking. I wasn't privy to that conversation. bottom line is this. Why did he take it? Yes. He's from the Midwest. Yes, his wife likes the Midwest, but the money, he got a little bit more money from LSU still offered him more money, but Notre Dame came up from their original offer and has paid him a good deal. So the money was comparable, let's say. LSU, a little bit more on the table, but not enough to sway him. In the end, while those Midwest things are important, one of the things that I can tell you that we talked about is his future, he wants to be a head coach in the near future. I don't know if that's two, three years, whatever. He was looking for a stable situation. Brian Kelly's stable. Brian Kelly, you know, not that he may not go in the NFL at some point, but the consistency of how he runs it, the stability at LSU, you're dealing with Very unstable situations. You got a Joe Brady there one year, and he was, you know, Dave Aranda. Been there several years. Things worked out well. But Bo one and gone. Scott Lanahan, one and gone. Matt Canada, one and gone. Those are guys that came in. And in the coaching profession, coaches don't look at all those guys are bad coaches. They look at it and say, well, there's a pattern there. There are two, three, four guys that come in. And they're gone. What's the deal there? And so I think he looked at that LSU situation that it had upside, but it had volatility. And you just kind of alluded to it. And and coaches want to have a chance. Assistant coaches, that in any coach, head coaches, assistant coaches, give me a chance where I can control my fate to a certain degree. And I think in this case you wonder a little bit about the stability. It, it, it did not help Ed Argeron hurt himself in the coaching profession when he made veiled criticisms of Dave Aranda last off season. you know, in him, he's just trying to pump up his fan base, but that, that makes a slight to a guy that's very well respected and very well liked in the building and in the coaching profession. So that wasn't the best thing for creating a stable environment. So when you come in and make an offer and throw money, I I just think in the end, it's a great get, but I had the impression and had it on LandryFootball.com for a while that I think it's going to be tough for him to turn down Notre Dame if Notre Dame makes a comparable offer because I think that's what it is. Now, where are they going? They're chasing Zach Arnett now from Mississippi State. Zach's got, I think, an opportunity at Texas potentially. Um, he South Carolina was interested big time for a while. So, you know, those are he's he's a guy that's being courted, and I could see that potentially working out. Um, and you know, maybe up against starting over at Texas because Texas hasn't had much stability there. Maybe there's a little bit of a um you know a wash there so that's kind of the story there um obviously we went into you know the um I, I don't know if we went into it a whole lot but 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 the the coordinator hires on the offensive side for LSU was this is a perfect example of kind of where it was and I, I don't mean this is a criticism but I mean it, there was such a struggle for Ed to figure out where to go with the offense that he just literally called Joe Brady and said who can run your offense I mean, it's, it's, it's so basically, well, one of them Mangus comes back to LSU as the passing game coordinator, but basically they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle and that's always dangerous there. And so
0: typically doesn't work.
1: It's just the, the, that's the biggest issue there is the lack of stability and it may work with Ed. We saw it. It just catch lightning in a bottle a year ago. That's, Unlikely is going to ever happen again for Ed, but I would expect they'll have a good year. I just I don't think they'll crater, but there's going to be the up and down roller coaster with Ed. It always has been, always will be.
0: We we say this is SEC football and beyond, and beyond includes SEC basketball. A little note uh, that just broke: Tennessee and Vanderbilt' their men's game, which was scheduled uh, to be played today, has been uh, postponed due to a uh, combination of positive tests, contact tracing, and subsequent quarantining of individuals within the uh, Vanderbilt program the SEC has released today. So we saw uh, LSU and Ole Miss play basketball on Saturday in a game that was thrown together. We saw this happen in football. It's going to happen throughout the basketball season as some of our shift switches to basketball. And really, so much of basketball, Chris, is just about,
1: let's
0: be honest here, the basketball season is about one thing. It's about getting to Indianapolis for the tournament and the NCAA getting their TV money. That's that's it's it's about nothing
1: else. And to be honest with you, I probably won't watch a college basketball game until we get to the tournament. I mean, it'll be on TV while I'm working and doing film work, and I may kind of keep up, oh, so and so won, or you know, this and that. But it's I think college basketball, I don't know how you feel about it, is is going to a one month a year sport anyway in a normal environment this year it's more than ever you're right and um
0: it's become very niche it's hard to watch uh at times i'll I'll tell you on saturday um i watched the first two playoff games and um my daughter was here she was leaving the next day and uh, my birthday was sunday so we were doing some birthday stuff on saturday and all that and but I was like, well, I need to go watch the game and, and and write about the game, and and LSU jumped on Ole Miss to a point where it was kind of difficult. There wasn't a whole lot to watch, and you're sitting there saying to yourself, "Who is going to read what I'm about to write?" Not many people, but I got to do my job. And <laughs> the point was, is is the game was the, the, it's it's a to me the college basketball product. Unlike the college football product, the college basketball product is as much about the things around the game as it is the game. And so what makes a college basketball game entertaining is the the students on top of the court, all the you know, the noise, the the, the, the bands, all that stuff. When you take that stuff away and you make that product be about nothing but the basketball, it has a hard time living up, it has a hard time meeting a standard that gets you to sit and watch it for two hours. It's tough. I'm with you. I mean, I don't even know. Gotta be honest. I mean, if you're gonna play the, the NCAA tournament in empty gyms in Indiana just for the money, I think they might be shocked at what happens to the ratings. We'll see. College football ratings were off the charts all season. I don't know what college basketball ratings I,
1: I is. still think the pools and all that. I have no idea, but I would still think the pools and all that. I, I can tell you, I don't know. This is I can only go by me. And I realize you get older and you know, but I was still pretty young then, but was, you know, certainly not as involved in all the, the, you know, 12 month a year football work and you get older and other, but I can remember, uh just in South Louisiana, you know, uh, the big East, the old big East on a Monday night, watching the Georgetown, oh, yeah. Syracuse, to oh, St. John's, you know, Villanova, whatever that was as good as it gets. And, you know, the, the ACC and the SEC and everybody, I mean, it just, it it just, it, it just seemed like it was not, I guess it's like anything else. Your, Your life goes. And, you know, for me now, um, I always say, what's changed for me as football is 12 months a year, because you didn't have NFL free agency. You didn't, you know, now, you know, it's now it's, you got, recruiting, you've got NFL free agency, you got the draft and you put all that to bed and it's May and it's June and and, and July and you're, you're getting ready for the football season. And it's like, it's 12 months. And so I I may keep an eye on it, watch it, but it's just, it's not the same, which is why I know we're excited here. We'll we'll talk about a lot of stuff, but you know, people, I may be wondering, I'm wondering if people are out there thinking, well, what are you guys going to do now? since college football season the a bit, we're going to talk college football and sure. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk draft. We'll talk a lot of stuff. Football is so, in, in fact, I, I, I know this, this with the website, Neil, there's more information in the off season than there is during the season. Cause it's just, it's constant. It's transfer portal. It's recruiting, even with early recruiting out of the way, it is just, you, get, you know, the coaching search stuff will continue and will affect. I do my coaching stuff, stuff together, college and pro in one, because there's a lot of bleeding over from one to the other, and what happens, and so there's just no shortage of information, and then tracking and evaluating spring and transfers and what's going to happen, and it just it's it's a busier it's a busier time. So uh, we, we will we, that's what we'll be here for. There's no question about. It. Hey, real quickly. So I'm expecting Kyle Flood to go with Sark. Um, I've I've not been told that officially. But I, considering their relationship, I think Kyle Flood's going to go. Now, what's also interesting is Sark is going to keep uh, Andre Coleman as a receiver coach and Stan Drayton as running back coach. So he's pretty much kind of rounding out his staff. Got the defensive coordinator. Again, offensive line, if Kyle does go, that'll be it. Maybe run game coordinator. So I'm wondering how many of the guys Bama will have to replace. So does that mean that Holman Wiggins will stay? Jeff Banks will stay. Would Kyle Flood consider staying? I don't think so, but some interesting things there. And then, um, now that the game is over, I felt for a while and mentioned it, and wrote about it, that Bill O'Brien will be part of Nick Saban's staff in some capacity, how they want to do it. Cause I know Bill and I know Bill's relationship with Bill Belichick and Saban when he got let go at, at Houston, remember that was during the season He and Nick have been kind of communicating a little bit through intermediaries, um, because Nick don't spend a lot of time talking about coming together and coming to Alabama and looking at things. So there's been a lot of talk about Bill O'Brien. You know, a couple of weeks ago went to Tuscaloosa. He actually has been there before. Actually, has been looking at film and doing things since he's been let go with Houston. So now his theory and people wondering, why is he doing it? Because he's trying to, re- he's one of the next in line. That's trying to resurrect his career, right? You know, he's got a, you know, reputation of guy was pretty successful as a head coach at Houston GM didn't work fired, what have you. Um, he wasn't really in the mix for any of these head coaching opportunities, but that's a guy with his background at Penn state and he can rejuvenate his career under Saban. He's the next guy. That could take that job, you know, former head coach, college and NFL level. That that could that could be the reclamation project. So, um, he's going to be part of it. We'll probably get the offensive coordinator title, and that'll probably be well. I don't announce whenever Nick decides to announce it. I guess. Do you anticipate Pete Golding staying in Tuscaloosa? I absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, un- unless there's another opportunity that he wants to go and fly his wings. Let me say this. A lot of people, a lot of Alabama folks criticize it. Pete Golding runs Nick's defense the way Nick wants it run. Okay? There's a difference. Pete will take the offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, Sark, Kiffin. Here's what I want. I, this is kind of what I want to have done. You go take it, and this is how you want to do it. I'll oversee it and look at it. The defense is Nick's. How it's done, how it's looked all the minutiae, that's all Nick. And so it takes a while for a young guy to learn. Look how long Kirby was there. Kirby was a young guy. I'm not saying that Pete's Kirby. I'm just saying he's Kirby and that he's a young guy. You are not going to see him go hire the defensive equivalent personality-wise of a Sark or Kiffin or anything that's going to come in and run the whole defense. You come in, you're running that. So, He's doing what he wants. So if you want to criticize Pete Golding, that's fine. Criticize Nick because he's doing it the way he wants. Now, is it always as good as Nick wants? No, but remember, too, that the days of Alabama shutting people out are gone because as long as you're going to run an offense like they're running, giving up 24 points, giving up 27 points, 28 points, that's going to be the norm. You're not going to be holding people down to 10 or 17 points anymore unless the offense that you're playing is bad. So they do that against some teams. Those offenses are just not very good. But against good teams, like in the playoff caliber, they're going to be giving up 24, 27 points. I don't care who it is because the pace of play and how they're running their offense is going to affect how you play defense. He said that. Now, RPOs, you know, basically RPO by definition of the old way, is illegal. I mean, you know, you're blocking down. The, if they're not going to call it, we're going to adjust to it. That's kind of the impressive part about what Nick's doing. He, he doesn't like the way the game is. He's just adjusted to it.
0: One of the things we'll also be talking about in the next few weeks is recruiting. We'll be talking about the transfer portal. Uh, there's a question from Spartan Barton here about uh, Eric Gilbert. We haven't talked about him. What are the? How likely is it he wants to know that he transfers to Florida?
1: I don't know where this kid is going. It's a, one of the intriguing dramas of everyone assumed it was Georgia going home, but there is some interest in Florida. And I think the real key is again, what did we talk about all day? Hey, if you're Eric Gilbert, what are you thinking? Call Pets Saw that last year. I want me some of that. You know, that's, that's how they utilized them. I think that's the, the intrigue there.
0: A uh, couple minutes left. NFL playoffs, there were four game, six games, Pretty all pretty entertaining. Uh, anything stick out to you as as giant surprises or or um, how much you – and then we'll talk about it on Friday, of course, but how much you're looking forward to what I think is the very best weekend of the NFL, which is the
1: divisional playoffs. Um, just can't tell you how surprised I was with Cleveland. Not that I expected Pittsburgh, who clearly was not the juggernaut that their unbeaten record – indicated through most of the season I didn't see that I did not see that I mean we're talking about a Cleveland team that struggled against a Pittsburgh team that was sitting a lot of guys in the last week when Cleveland had to win the game and they struggled now you take away the head coach you take away a couple of other assistants you take away a couple of key players it just goes to show you doesn't it I mean they kicked the Steelers rear end, and it ended up being a little bit closer down the stretch. That was a big surprise. Everything else was pretty much the way I thought. Um, I thought that the Rams could beat Seattle. Um yeah, I didn't know if they would or wouldn't. They did. Um, Baltimore, Tennessee was a talk, not surprised that Baltimore won. Wouldn't have been surprised if Tennessee had won. Uh, I didn't think the bears would beat the saints, but you know, um, uh, took it, it was to me, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and this week, you're right. This past week was great. Triple headers. We don't have the volume, but you see the top two seeds playing and we'll get into it. I know on Friday, but you got green Bay hosting the Rams and a couple of real interesting storylines there, Buffalo hosting Baltimore. And then the Browns going to Kansas city and obviously, the feature game that everyone's going to talk about forever and ever and ever is Brady and Breeze. Um, if you take the combined age of the four other quarterbacks, they're like uh, 98. Uh, I think Brady and Breeze are like 85 <laughs> by themselves. So <laughs> gives you an idea. And how, how about that class in 2017 and 18 out of the draft in the AFC? You got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, good. they're out there. They're out there still playing.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I, I thought I thought it was big big weekends for uh, for Lamar Jackson winning That's the game in Nashville. I thought it was a, not that he needed to vindicate himself. He didn't. I mean, it's obvious he's one of the great players in the league. But there was beginning to be the rumblings of a, he can't get it done in the playoffs. We got he got it done in the playoffs. It was a big a big day for Josh Allen. I think Buffalo has a really bright future. You you might know better than I do, but I I think it's a a really bright future there. And then um, Baker Mayfield, a guy that you know a year ago people were doing the he's a bust stuff, and boy, he played he played a phenomenal game um, in Pittsburgh. So. It should be a fun slate of games this weekend. We'll we'll talk about them, uh, you just touched them. We'll talk about them in depth on Friday. We'll talk about uh, what the latest is with uh some coaching stuff that I think will happen now that the season is over and um
1: Yeah, reminder, I know you got it up on Rebel Grove. Follow us at Landry Football. A lot of the coaching search stuff we've got for you. So, I mean, I know a lot of you that listen that I mean, we got stuff that we probably would never get to in this show, but stuff going on at Purdue and Illinois and Brett putting his staff together and all the NFL stuff and the minutiae, what really happened in the Philadelphia Eagles situation, uh, all of that. We got all that for you. are certainly going to be breaking down the playoff games, transfer portal, uh, LandryFootball.com, Rebel Grove. Check it out. Uh, we think you'll love it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that does it for today's show. We'll be back on Friday morning with another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. Until then, have a great week. Stay safe. Take care. And we'll talk to you soon.